0: listening to Drawing the Line. I'm Roman McCutcheon. And I'm Brad Reeves. And today we're going to talk about hell. H-E-Double Hockey Sticks. Let's get started. Okay, episode nine, here we are. Talking about the big one. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is one that, you know, I don't, like saying I enjoy talking about it is like, feels like a weird thing to say, but I do love talking. I about do too.
1: So, so we met, this is, is going to be the weirdest Yeah. back and forth ever.
0: Like saying hell and have a smile on your face just right. seems like a weird thing. But I think like, it's just
1: cause you weren't allowed to say it as a kid, you know, yeah. so yeah. just being able to, to say it, um, freely. In yeah. context
0: Yeah Yeah I mean that, that's always like Anytime like as a kid I had an opportunity To talk about it in context Right You're like, like Well hell, hell Hell is Well I mean <laughs> Just I mean hell in a handbasket I mean what are you gonna You know Straight just, to like, hell Yeah I mean it was It's it's. I don't know It's almost like It's freeing To be able to just say it Right um, And
1: you know Here's the thing Is that It's not It's not something That gets spoken of A whole lot no. In church Like you think about how many sermons, trying to think about how many sermons, like maybe just like in the past five years that I've heard, even use the word hell. And I think right. I could probably count on one hand, maybe two hands, and I've listened to a boatload of sermons yeah. in the past five years.
0: Yeah, it's...
1: I mean, that's unless I was doing some specific study about hell mm-hmm. and it was a podcast or something else, but I'm saying like a go-to-church-on-Sunday, Sunday morning sermon. You don't hear, or am I? Am I wrong? No, or? I,
0: we, de- I think the church is definitely like taking this turn from like the sixties, seventies, eighties, when it was a lot of fire and brimstone, into a mm-hmm. this like peace, love, happiness kind of feel. And mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily saying that that's a bad thing. It's just it is mm, definitely it sounded a, like you might have been a saying it was a bad thing. I think I think a complete one eighty of that is a bad thing.
1: Okay. Well we'll have to talk about that. Yeah. We'll, well have to talk about for that. Sure. I think it I think it's actually a good direction. I just don't think we're being honest about it. I'm always more about uh, let's just be honest about what we're doing and not doing, and why we're doing it or why we're not doing it. So that's what we're going to get into. Sure, you know that that's what I hope we're going to do is like peel back the onion a little bit. But but it's the truth. We both agree there may be things that we may not agree on as we get into this subject. But I think what we both agree on is that this is not the type well let's put it this way but, you know j- just into back to our childhoods mm-hmm. w- would you agree that you probably hear about it less oh, yeah. than than you did when you were growing up
0: definitely i mean it was a It was definitely used as like a a scare tactic when I was a kid.
1: Did you ever have, because sometimes, you know, I talk to other friends who come from, you know, different uh, backgrounds, different denominations. I have friends that like, and I'm not trying to beat on any particular background, but like friends from like a, you know, a Baptist upbringing where they would do like for Halloween or something, they would put on these plays and the plays would be these depictions of hell yeah. of like people. And, and it would start out with people just kind of like, you know, just like me and you maybe like doing a podcast and then, right, and then the next thing, you know, like, I don't know, time ends or whatever. And we find ourselves in hell and the demons are, are reaching out and grabbing us and pulling our legs and, sure. and things get very hot, very fast. But they would put on these kind of things with the kids being actors in them. And it was like a part of their, you know it's a part of their development mm-hmm. in, in terms of church. It was just like a thing that they did. Now my, my church of origin didn't go that far, but I definitely heard um, you know much more much more references to hell or, or sort of that uh, destination um, for, for people. In, in sermons and classes, et cetera.
0: Yeah, you know, it was a big red guy with horns um, in this fiery pit of torture. That was mm-hmm. the depiction, and it was, you don't want to be there because it's not fun, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to be painful, and... Um, and it's not going to be temporary. Uh, right, it's forever, and right. that's, you know, that's something that... Um, was a, I don't know, I it, it, I mean, it definitely was used to scare you, definitely used for for fear and... Control, um, maybe. Sure, I mean, it, it's a, you know, people don't enjoy punishment, and that's what it was. Or well, is. is there
1: anything, you know, is there, is there anything we can think of? Like, I'm trying to think of something worse than burning like sort of like being in a state of being alive but not dead but burning and then for that going to go on forever like without end so you've you've been alive how many years 31 okay so if you can imagine you know you've experienced your life maybe you remember probably the, you know the last um, you, you know, the, the more recent years you you, you you remember them more clearly than maybe as an infant sure, or a child. Yeah, right. Yeah. But let's just say if for the past 31 years you had been on fire, Roman, Ugh. probably would have been unpleasant experience. Right. Right. Um, so but if you then project forward to uh, infinity <laughs> I know. and you continue to be on fire, there's really I, I just don't I here's my point that I'm making, I think. And we'll get to this. We'll get to. We're going to go through. We're going to look at the Old Testament. We're going to look at the New Testament. We're going to talk about a lot of this. But let's just kind of call it what is right now. What what hell seems to be, um, at least one depiction of hell is like the absolute worst that anybody could ever imagine. But that never ending.
0: Right. I mean, like essentially the exact opposite of heaven. Right. Like heaven being greater than anything you could ever imagine forever right um, and so
1: the the idea is well there must be a polar opposite to that you know there, there's there's got to be another side of the coin if the streets are gold and there's mansions and there's you know unending ecstasy forever there has to be the opposite of that which is you know uh, limitless agony that never stops
0: right yeah I mean that's I mean that sounds about right as to what you know, as a kid, what my thought process was when it came to hell, hell, I
1: mean. And here's the other other thing, too, that I want to just put out there, and maybe this will, you know, come up at different points in our discussion, but not only as something that was formative for both you and I in the way we were taught our, uh, you know, taught what we were taught about Christianity, but also what about your experience with evangelism, And how hell played a role in in evangelism, and I I think both in uh, evangelistic efforts and techniques, but also in sort of the need to evangelize, and and sort of the directive to to be an evangelist, to be an evangelical. Mm Mm-hmm. Do do you know what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like what role did you see hell playing in both of those things? Both the the reasoning for a Christian to to evangelize and Mm -hmm. then also what role did it play in the actual technique of evangelism, of trying to have people become Christians?
0: Yeah, I think for what I was able to observe, it was a, you know, it was, well, we don't want people to go to hell, so we need to teach them the word so that they won't go to hell. Um, and then in doing so I'm fulfilling my role as a Christian so that I won't go to hell. Right. Um, sort of a, almost the circle there where it's like yeah. keep
1: them from burning forever. Keep helps keep me from burning forever. Yeah. Too.
0: And I don't like, I don't necessarily like that's, and uh, interestingly enough, like I never, like I, that was never something that I like clung on to like it was never so a, it wasn't
1: like, necessarily a personal motivation for you but you're definitely aware of that oh, absolutely and, sort of
0: that. and then i guess maybe if i could
1: sort of weigh in on on the the actual techniques i mean i remember a, an uh, evangelism group that was training people that came to one of the churches that i was a part of where you know that was essentially like right out of the gates mm-hmm. right like you you meet people and the very first the very first thing you hit them with it's like oh okay you think you're you think you're okay you think you're comfortable you think you're you know, a pretty good person. Well, no, you're going to hell mm-hmm. unless, right? You know, or 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 would you know? Would you know nothing doubting tonight if you died that you would go to heaven? Sure. And and maybe the person says yes. Maybe the person said no. But the point is, you say, well, guess what? You're probably wrong. You would go to hell, and you go there forever. Um, because you haven't done these list of things. And then that, yeah. that's sort of the entry point into getting them into doing the, the, th- the right things in the right order to uh, essentially come in line with whatever the person who's evangelizing uh, believes that is necessary to avoid Hell into to get to heaven.
0: Yeah, um, my dad referenced a lot, and I got to see a couple of these, the Jewel Miller film strips. Oh yes, yes. Um but
1: way before your time, but still, right. those were yeah, those mean, were
0: epic, right? For sure, right? I mean, and it was, I mean, from what I can remember, it was a lot about you use these in order to save the heathens that are going to hell, essentially. Well,
1: there's like a, I mean, I think a lot of times it gets depicted in a certain way, right? There's like there's like sinful people on one side, and there's like this gulf, and then there's a, a perfect holy God on the other side. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Jesus and Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, Jesus' blood is like the bridge that carries yeah. people over. And if you don't believe that, accept that, if you're not... You baptized at the right time in the right way etc cetera, etc cetera, you you're still sort of stuck in that mire you're in that simple person if you die that way then you have eternal conscious torment i think that that's the phrase that gets used a lot yeah yeah um, and, ect
0: and I, and I remember that being something that like was referenced a lot within my family on both sides my mom being a you know growing up southern conservative in alabama Um, so that was very much a part of the culture, the church culture that, you know, I was aware of as a kid. Um, now we didn't like necessarily live around them, like around Mm -hmm. my, my grandparents and on my, on my mom's side. Right. And so that wasn't something that like I saw too much of, but when we visited, it was very evident. Right. Um, and then they, That's
1: interesting because I have a callback in my mind to when we were talking about the evolution stuff, mm-hmm. and I remember you saying something similar about that, yeah. about like that you had some exposure to that, and that was sort of like almost like a hyper conservative, like science versus, yeah, you know, like evolution. We didn't come from monkeys type of mm-hmm. very aggressive, but the same sounds like similar with hell.
0: Yeah, for sure. It was, I mean, it was very one sided, um, not and not even really with a desire to like expand or like have more knowledge of right. the, the idea of what like the purpose of hell. Um, right. And that may be leading us into a different conversation. That's not what I'm trying to do, but like it was definitely like um, hell was a motivator to, mm-hmm. to, to do the right thing.
1: Yeah. And I definitely want us to lean into that hell um, as a, as a motivation. One thing, this kind of, Uh, Ties back to something we said earlier about, you know, this is not a subject that gets preached on a whole lot. I remember uh, several years ago, there was a preacher who was trying out um, at a church I was at. And that minister came and during the sermon, he made a statement he was talking about how you know when you get up and it was sort of one of these hey we're all we all sort of understand like putting sort of his arms around everybody in the church y'all know what this is like you get up on a sunday morning early you're heading to church and as you go to church you see people who are i don't know jogging brunching just not going to church and he and he made a sort of offhand comment of we all know where those people are heading right and i remember <laughs> when i heard that Um, I was just, you know, sort of dumbfounded, but it was so, it was so sort of honest at the same time that that's where his head's at. And I felt like, even though this was not that long ago, I felt like in many ways, that's kind of how I was raised to think is that, you know, the people, I don't know if people were brunching when I was growing up, like if it was a bigger (laughs) thing, there was no Sunday fun day when I was growing up. Um, but definitely that was a thought and it wasn't just the, it wasn't just the people who weren't going to church. It was the, all the people were going to the wrong church too, right. right? The church that didn't have the right name on the front of it. Mm-hmm. They were all going to be eternally consciously tormented because they didn't get, you know, like I mentioned before, you know, baptized at the right time in the right way or, or, or they believe certain, uh, different things. So, but that was like a throwback to me is like, when he said that, I was like, Ooh. That's something I haven't heard in a long time, but I think there's like some honesty there. So one thing, Roman, I thought would be helpful to do, obviously, we have to talk about the Bible, right? Like we we could just shoot from the hip about hell um, have you been there by the way?
0: Not, I hope not. I don't think so. I mean like there have been moments where I thought I was. but I Now, I've never now been that's, there. yeah, I think that that's, that's a prescient statement there.
1: I think that might be where we end up, um, where I end up with some of the stuff. I, I, I believe I've been there too mm-hmm. a time or two. Um, but no, I mean, I guess in, in, at least in what you and I were just describing, at least that caricature of hell, neither of us has been there. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we haven't met anybody who's been there either,
0: right? I don't think so.
1: Okay, and we could say say the same about heaven.
0: Sure, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's that kid that wrote that book or something like that. <laughs> right. Like, I don't. I don't <laughs> that was
1: any made made into a movie.
0: There was a movie. I don't remember, like the boy who went to heaven. Is that what it was called? Yeah, I don't yeah. Know.
1: He fall out of a tree or that something. That one was. I don't know. You have Greg Kinnear.
0: I gotta be honest, like those movies just like don't do it.
1: You don't believe in like, or, like
0: NDEs. I'm not saying that like it didn't happen, but at the same time, like it feels like a bunch of mumbo jumbo. Near and
1: death and experience, like, man. They go walk into the light.
0: Sure. Um... Good for them.
1: Okay, so back to <laughs> script to see. This is why we have to Man, actually that, talk that about. Made scripture. me
0: sound really like like a really mean person. <laughs> it just sounds
1: way. like very. You're very cynical when and it comes I, to. I,
0: I am though, like when it comes to this, like when it comes to like the idea of talking about like hell and heaven and like the afterlife and like that whole thought process, like that. I'm cynical. Like, yeah, I yeah, really yeah. am. Okay, and,
1: well, I like the fact that you're approaching it that way. It sounds like you're approaching this kind of more like a scientist. Like, you're like, okay, you're going to have to sort of prove this to me. Sure, absolutely. Because I'm not just going to take your word for it, Brad, that you've been to hell and back. Fair. you <laughs> you got to prove it to me. Yeah. So one thing I thought, you know, so the there's, it'll show off my uh, Bible bowl knowledge. Okay, there, there's si- 66 books in the scripture, Ooh. right? And Old Testament has... 39, 39, uh, New Testament uh, twenty-seven. That's good math. Okay, so um, quick maths: uh, thirty-nine books in the Old Testament. And, and if you if you have a Bible in front of you, not while you are driving or working out or whatever, but uh, here is one. Look at that. So we've got a we've got a Bible in front of us. Paul's here. Leather Company Bible. Check them out, man. Oh yeah, this is oh R McCutcheon. That's beautiful. Mm. But if we if we go, you know, to the end of the Old Testament here, and all right, here we go. Matthew one. What 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 do you notice, Roman? When I split the OT and the NT, there's
0: I don't know, like not much. Percentage. Yeah, there's not there's not much. I mean, it,
1: it looks. I mean, at least in terms of volume, we got like 80, 85 percent of the scriptures yeah. in the Old Testament. Yeah. This is to me sort of the most, as I started to study and it, it wasn't just last week <laughs> sure. or last month or whenever we did the last podcast, as we talked about, the, the only thing we said to each other right before this podcast is we've both been thinking about this and studying this and right. a long time, Yeah, right? And we've been sort of in some ways, at least from my perspective, maybe working up to this topic for a long time because mm-hmm. we've referenced it and we've talked, we've teased it. We say yeah. we're going to talk about it. But one of the things that jumped out to me probably the most when I started to study the concept of hell is I started with the Old Testament. And I started with the Old Testament, like a, in a lot of our podcasts, we go back to Genesis 1. And I started in the Old Testament and I realized that, you know, once I started to do, get into the words and the word study and and understand like where this concept of of, of heaven and hell and the afterlife came from, I recognized or found that the concept of hell does not exist at all in the first 39 books of the Bible. That it's just absent. And once that hit me. I mean, first of all, the word hell doesn't appear. Now, you can find translations that will translate the Jewish the Hebrew word Sheol. Yep. You know, S H E O L, Sheol. sheol. Mm-hmm. It's pronounced different ways, but you'll find some translations, especially older translations that will that will call it hell. Um, or were translated hell, but most of the newer translations, and it's used something like 63 to 66 times, depending on which translation you've got. Most of the newer translations do not translate that word hell. Um, they will, some translated it Hades, which is like a transliteration to the Greek. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sheol, many times it's it's translated the pit, death, death, mm-hmm. um, the, like this sort of shadowy place, the grave. Yeah. And so this is what really, it's one of the things that really got me thinking differently or, or or caused me to reassess hell is that I was like, well, wait a second, you have this entire, not just the whole Old Testament, all these 39 books, but you know, 85% of the scripture where we don't even have a concept of heaven and hell. We, we Well, there's some maybe kind of references to the afterlife. You have a couple of people who don't die, for instance, Mm -hmm. but in the scripture, they never go down to Sheol and then come back. They actually just don't die. right? right? You have a weird thing where where Saul and the witch of Endor, where he calls Samuel's ghost up from Sheol, Mm -hmm. but Samuel seems to be pretty ticked off. He's like, well, why'd you disturb me, Saul? And then says, you're going to die in battle tomorrow. And then Saul dies. So, the, but as I looked at it, um, and then if you think about it, and I'm not trying to like put you on the spot here, Roman, but if you th- think back through the Old Testament, there's really no instruction from God in the Garden of Eden or after the Garden of Eden, not when Cain kills Abel, not when Adam and Eve uh, uh, sin, um, all going through Abraham and Moses and the prophets. We don't get any sort of threats of hell. We don't get any description of hell. We don't get anybody scared of hell. Now, people don't want to die, and, and there's right. there's tons of violence, um, but... For instance, when you have David talking about Sheol in the Psalms, he t- he's like, you know, d- don't don't abandon me in the grave. Or, or he, he talks about how, you know, y- you would go down to the depths of Sheol. It's sort of like the lowest place in the Jewish consciousness that you could go. It would be away from God, but it's just the place that you go when you die. And here's the thing. Everybody goes there. Everybody goes there.
0: No, everybody goes there. I mean, mm-hmm. I think... I don't know that I, I don't think either. I have scripture that would say otherwise. Oh, in the Old Testament? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit, hit me, hit me. I think Daniel 12 says the opposite. Not everybody goes there, but it says, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. And he's talking about essentially dying. Um, Some to everla- everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. So to me, that means that they're not going to the same spot.
1: Well, no, I hear what you're saying. So what what happens throughout the Old Testament is that you see sort of a a shift. Um, and when you get to the inter... Obviously, I mean, that's why I wanted to talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament sure. separately. Yeah. Because by the New Testament, it's clear that there is some more... Uh, there's some uh, under- There's a new understanding, oh, right, or there's yeah. an evolved understanding Absolutely. of the afterlife. Sure, But even in, there's a, a number of places. Now, you do have some of these, I guess, prophetic visions where you get, uh, where you have people um, that are are seeing, you know, like, oh, well, there's maybe, maybe some people have it slightly worse, but you get no, um, you, you get no specifics about people going to hell generally. Like, there's no, like I said, the, the word doesn't exist. There is one word. There's only one word, and it's never even used with the article. It's not mm-hmm. like like the death. It's just Sheol. It's a place. It is the place where all people go. So I mean, yeah, we can look at you know we can look at specifically at Daniel twelve, um, sure. but but it's but there is only one place. Like there is no other Hebrew word that is used for the place where people go when they die.
0: Right. You know, and because and, he, yeah, he doesn't specifically say like you can even go, but you can look at Daniel 12 in Hebrew and he doesn't specifically use, you know, Sheol in that instance. He, he just talks about the idea of dying. Um, and, and it is. It's a prophecy. Right. And so um, it's a, well, a vision, whatever you want to call it. Right. And so, it, you know, it's, and it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting take because you don't see that really in other spots in the Old Testament. So this is kind of an outlier, I would say, in the Old Testament.
1: Well, and you get, you know, people definitely want to live long lives. And they want, and so what you get, mostly what you get in the Old Testament, and this is true throughout the wisdom literature, you know, whether you're looking at Proverbs or Ecclesiastes, um, you get the idea that, you know, there's different ways to live. You can live in a way that leads to death, and you can live in a way that leads to life. That's the kind of language that they use. But when they say the way that leads to life, they're not necessarily talking about an eternal life. And it's not that they say, I want to be clear here, it's not that they say eternal life doesn't exist. They're just not focused on it. It's right. like not an issue for them. It's not, let's put it this way. It is not the same when we talked earlier about how hell is like this huge motivator for evangelism. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge motivator for, oh, I, I want to be saved. I want to have eternal life. So I got to, you know, save people from hell. It doesn't exist in that way throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. Right. It's, it's not set up that way. And, and wouldn't you think, Roman, let, let me just, I guess, put it this way. If you have God, you know, God's in the garden, he's giving instructions to Adam and Eve, and then Adam and Eve sin, and then they leave the garden. Like, if there was a place where Adam and Eve and their children and offspring and their children and all their progeny could essentially be relegated to, to go and to burn forever and be tortured endlessly. Right. Don't you think God would have brought that up? Hmm. Or, or, or why, why why did it take 4,000 years? I'm taking sort of a, a young earth view here sure. for the moment. Why would it take 4,000 years to have any sort of developed notion that, hey, there's a place where you and everybody you love might burn forever? Like, why would that not show up for 4,000 years? I'm just sort of asking the question. I'm not even necessarily looking for a biblical answer. I'm sort of more looking for like, a common sense, like wouldn't that be the, because death is one thing, right? Like, let's say, you know, like drowning would be pretty bad. It'd be a horrible way to die. Yeah. But at least once you drown, it'd be over once you died. But like, what if you were like drowning for eternity? Like it, it just seems to me to be such a fundamental thing that would be so, um, important. Why would it not be why would it not be addressed and i i'll go ahead and you know sort of counter my own argument what i what what people have said in counter to sort of what i'm saying is like oh well it's because something fundamentally new and different was happening in the new testament and when jesus died he went to uh, hades and he sort of like unlocked it or you know, that that Hades was sort of this, or Hades, Sheol, you know, uh, in Greek, it's called Hades, but that Sheol was a place where all these people were, and that when Jesus died, he went down and had the keys to Hades and death, and so Jesus sort of opened everything up, and that enabled people to, I guess, be released, or from there, maybe go to the good place or the bad place, heaven or hell, Right. Um, or, or to Abraham's bosom. I guess we talk about that. We get to the New Testament, but I, I just again, I, I I don't. I guess what I'm trying to say is that as I've studied hell, I've started to see that the things that I was taught about it, that I was taught them in a very particular way, with the end in mind. In other words, the end of the teaching is always. There is a place of eternal conscious torment, and if and and God will send you there Mm -hmm. at the judgment day if you haven't done the appropriate things. I've all that was always the the credited response. That was always the right answer, and so everything I've always been taught always led to that answer. And no one ever taught me anything in connection with the you know, the conservative evangelical churches I've been a part of, nobody ever taught me anything that ever pointed in even a slightly different direction than that. And so one of the one of the things I want to do at a minimum with this podcast, and I'm sure we'll go to a second one on this topic, is to point out that the scripture does not speak monolithically about hell. The scripture doesn't just say one thing about hell. For one thing, the word hell doesn't appear in the Old Testament.
0: Well, I mean, they use the word Sheol for hell.
1: Right, but everybody goes there. Everybody.
0: But, I, but Daniel says otherwise, right? Well, no.
1: I mean, if you look at the 66 references in in uh, for Sheol, when, when D- uh, David talks about how he's going to go to Sheol, I mean, he knows he's going to go. It's not because he says he's going to hell. Mm-hmm. He knows that's where people go. And, and, and there are, you know, phrases about there being sort of like bars or that people are sort of locked there in a way like the Jews were all about life. They were all you know, they they didn't think about the body and the spirit, mm-hmm. the body and the soul being split like we do the, in the Near Eastern mind. They did think about spirit and breath, but it was like God breathed the life into us. But then once we die, that breath comes out and the breath of life has left us. So now the body is going to go down into the grave. And so Sheol was, it's like this image of the grave. It's like the, almost like a mass grave. You can think about it. It's a place where people go when they die. And that's why they were so big about having, you know, everybody wanted to be buried with their fathers or their, their family members. Mm -hmm. They always like, take me back to where, take me back to where my father died and my grandfather died and put us in the same place so that we're in the grave together because they weren't thinking about the eternal life and heaven and what went next and they weren't thinking about hell
0: yeah i see what you're saying sorry i'm i have like i'm trying to i know I you've know. got I, you've done so much research <laughs> on this and you've like i just want to make sure and i'll be real honest we got like and I'm, I'm not well i'm not even giving myself excuses for not having this ready to go um you know i i like to think that there's maybe. Two manners in the Old Testament in which in which Sheol is used. One is like you have you were talking about as yes. a poetic name for the grave, right? Yes, which makes sense. Um, and then the other being like a place where like the wicked and the, and not and you know a wicked go, but like not the faithful,
1: right? But that's right. where that's where Samuel was, for instance, when Samuel comes up you know from Sheol it's like you woke me up from the dead the witch of Endor and Samuel was a godly man right you know so um yeah and i'm not trying to play gotcha here i'm just and i believe me i understand there are different ways to look at i'm not giving and i don't sure. want anybody to think you know look i'll make your arguments for you roman yes there's you can look at certain areas and sometimes it's talked about in worse ways that would seem sort of more hell like in the sense that um, the, it doesn't seem to be a pleasant place. It's like a shadowy place, a dark place. It sort of sounds to our mind, maybe more like hell. Um, but at the same time, it does seem that everybody, there's this large acknowledgement that that's where everybody's going.
0: Well, you know, you saw in Psalm 49 says... This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. They are like sheep and are, pre, and, and are not predestined, are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd, but the upright will prevail over them in the morning. Right. But, but I, I think in all, not just that, but
1: in, in Proverbs as well, they're really talking about life. Like they're talking about if you live this way, there, there is a way to live that is more life-giving, more life-affirming, and will lead to a longer life. Now, maybe not as a guarantee, but generally speaking, it does. But there is a way that leads to death. And that way, I mean, you could almost think about it like what God said in the garden to Adam and Eve. He's like, the day of it, you will surely die. I mean, I think we both realize God was not talking about literal death there because they didn't die. Mm-hmm. Now, but that way, that idea of choosing themselves or ignoring God or ignoring instruction, is that a way that leads to death? The Proverbs seem to say so, that that is not the right way to live, and it will lead you towards death. Back to what we said at the beginning about, have we experienced hell? Like, So when you experienced hell, um, did you ever experience hell, let's say, as a result of a horrible decision that you made?
0: Um, I mean, yeah, sure.
1: I have. I'll just. I was, again. I, right. know, I keep putting you on the spot. I can tell you some of the worst hells that I've ever uh, experienced were in my were hells of my own making.
0: Right, and that's like a poetic form of hell, right? Is that mm-hmm. what you're saying? I get.
1: I think what I'm saying is that I think you can experience hell. You can experience death, even. Like, I mean, I've I've had times in my life where I felt like I was dying inside because of. You know, I, I I did something so wrong or, or something I felt that was just, oh, I I,
0: I just screwed everything up. Well, can I... And, and I, I think I,
1: that's what the Proverbs is getting at,
0: I guess is my point. Well, and I hope that... This, and I don't want this to sound bad, but that almost sounds like cheap. Like in... For like, so did... What was the purpose of Jesus' death then? Like, if so you don't have these hells on earth
1: yeah oh yeah you mean like if he came and read a scroll he might say something like hey i came to set the captives free so like to make you know, sure, to
0: to make sure that like to, to to stop
1: hells on earth like if you read the what he read in isaiah the scroll i think all the things that jesus was talking about were things that you might say are hells on earth that people experience and jesus came to stop those things So I I don't know that it does necessarily cheap. Now, it would maybe if you accept, like I said, I think so many of these discussions about hell or, or teachings about hell, they assume the answer. They already assume, like you're sort of assuming that there is this fiery place where people could potentially go and burn forever. I'm not willing to start at that assumption. So if you do start at that assumption, then yeah, me talking about, you know, some mistake that I made in my life that made me despair of life for a few days or weeks or months, that's cheap compared to somebody burning forever, right? Like if that is a reality, but I guess I'm not necessarily willing to start with the reality or or I'm not ready to start by acknowledging that a loving god will let god's children burn forever
0: you make it seem like god's the one deciding that though and that's another conversation for another day but i think you make that decision for yourself through freedom in christ right
1: well i mean that is one way to sort of take the heat off of god excuse the pun
0: i guess but like he gave you the opportunity I mean that's like you're it's like you doing what you're not supposed to and your job and your boss fires you and it's your boss's fault,
1: right? No, no, I understand in a very like utilitarian way. Like I mean, if if you if the analogy is God is sort of the
0: pretty straightforward. Though.
1: God is mean? the boss.
0: I mean, I I mean, I see it. Like, I get it. I just I don't want to take away from the fact that like.
1: Well, why don't we think about why don't we think about like parents and children, sure. right? So parents and children. So. Let's just say that I, you know, have a couple of kids that I say, look, this is what you need to do to be successful. Right. And they don't follow those things and they're unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. Now, there are natural consequences to them being unsuccessful in whatever it is, whether it's studying for a test, whether it's trying out for lacrosse, whether it's, you know, any number of things. But if I then, If, if we take that to the next level and I say, Hey, this is what, let's say I have the power as the father to say, Hey, these are the things, these are the things that you need to do in order to, to be saved, to be saved eternally. And, um, and they don't do that. Mm -hmm. Then I, uh, and then I, because they don't do those things, I allow them to burn forever. Okay. I permit, I allow, I don't know what other word to use. I mean, you would say, I mean, God would be powerful enough to stop people from burning forever, right? I mean, you're not saying God is powerless to do that, are you? Sure. Uh, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't so, say so, that. So God could do it. So that, I guess that's my point. It's like as a father, I didn't, it doesn't matter to me what my kids had done or how they'd screwed up or right. what they'd done. I'm not going to let them be tortured forever. Sure. Now, maybe there's some discipline or some, I don't know, there's some some judgment. There could be a lot of things. But, like, think about it like this. No matter how much bad that you did for you 31 years, for me 43 years, no matter how much bad you had done during that time, it's still finite. Being tortured forever is infinite, it's forever. So, in other words, it's disproportionate. It will always be disproportionate. If, if it lasts forever, it will always be disproportionate to whatever sin or whatever wrong you committed.
0: But that almost sounds like, and I'm not making an attempt to play devil's advocate, but that almost sounds like <laughs> we're...
1: Keep the puns rolling, man.
0: Like the idea that like we're entitled to that, though. Like, I deserve heaven.
1: Well, I think, no, no, and I'm not saying that. I think what I'm saying is that if we are God's children, I think it raises really powerful questions about who God is and what God will do. Um, And and it causes me to read the Scripture uh, a lot more closely. Mm -hmm. It causes me to read the Scripture, you know, as we sort of shift towards looking at the New Testament, um, it causes me to read the scripture in a way where I'm not assuming the the typical assumption at the end, which the assumption being that, hey, the reason why we're here, the reason why you're a minister, the reason why I've been going to church for 43 years, right. is to avoid hell. Like I'm I'm willing to not start at that assumption and yeah. to and to actually work through these scriptures. That's what I've been doing, you know, probably for the last 10 or 15 oh, yeah. years.
0: I, you know, and, and
1: I'm not saying you're not willing to do that. I'm just sure. saying I'm willing to sort of put off that assumption because I think it helps me to actually start to read the New Testament in slightly different ways. I, the Old Testament, I mean, we can look at some of the specific passages and maybe that's what we'll do next podcast. We can go back and look at a couple, if you think there are a couple of key areas where sure. I'm wrong or I'm misstating about uh about Sheol, you know, like I said, it don't just hit you cold. Well, no,
0: I, I you, you, because
1: certainly the word hell appears in the New Testament. We're absolutely oh, going yeah, mean, to have Jesus, to address those. I mean, Jesus talks about hell. Yeah, he eleven of uh, eleven of twelve times that the word Gehenna is used. Uh, Jesus uses it.
0: Um, and you know what I, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier is that you can, you can look at some of these things and view them differently. Yes. Um, it, it can and and it. That is sort of the beauty and the... Well, if this um, is the one,
1: if this is the one, it's terrible if this is the deal breaker, right? Right. Like, I mean, we we could, we could be talking, we're talking about women's roles and then it's like, well, okay, well, you think a woman should have her head covered. I don't think she does. You think a woman can pray. I don't think she can think she needs to ask her husband questions at home. Those kind of things. They don't necessarily have the dire consequence. I don't know. Maybe some people think that they do, but they don't have these hellish consequences. But if we're wrong on hell, we could be wrong on like, like, everything. Sure. Right. So it's, it's maybe you could say it's child's play for us to sort of screw around with some of these other topics. And that's why I think I said before, we needed to build up a head of steam to get here. Yeah. And I think some of what we've been doing is maybe building up a little bit of the tools to, to, to read some of these scriptures. Cause I think we are going to have to deal, you know, head on when, when Jesus in the sermon on the Mount, when he talks about hell, Jesus, when he talks about the story about the, the rich man and Lazarus, mm-hmm. um, you know, where he sort of talks about Abraham's bosom and we get sort of the only picture we have in the whole scripture of the afterlife, other than sort of the apocalyptic stuff at the end yeah. of scripture. Um, but, you know, I, I guess that's what i Circling back to here about the Old Testament, my point is just that given uh, the importance of hell, of the doctrine of hell, at least in the way that you and I were raised with it, given the importance of it, I to me, I find it interesting and befuddling that I was never taught that it did not exist in the Old Testament, at least right. the way I was taught it. There may be some nuances here and there, but that generally speaking in the Old Testament, the the word wasn't used in this word Sheol is more about the way, or more about descriptive of a place people, a dark shadowy place where people go when they die without respect to what they had done during life. To potentially be corrected by you, next podcast... And for me to debate back and forth. Right.
0: And and I mean that's the whole purpose of the podcast, right? Yes, Is to be yes. able to have the conversations from different perspectives and and you know, I I appreciate these conversations because, you know, growing up, I, I didn't even it wasn't even a a thought of like we, we talked about hell, but like it wasn't like, well, we're using the New Testament, and we're not using the old testament. It was just like when we talked about hell, that we just used the New Testament Scripture. Right. And it's an um,
1: ever-present reality, though. Like, right. it was never it was never questioned. Sure. So back to the original point that you made in this podcast, maybe we can sort of close it out thinking about this. So either, either our churches are getting soft, and they're trying to be more seeker-sensitive. I did the air quotes. You can't <laughs> hear them through the new microphones, but... <laughs> We're trying to be more seeker sensitive. And so we're we're trying not to use the word hell as much. We don't want to scare people away. We don't want to scare the hell out of them, right? I mean, I see what you did there. Well, it was coming, right? Um, so maybe that's what it is. Or or just sure. you know, try this one on for size. Or maybe there is an increasing recognition that the traditional doctrines of hell don't square nicely with the view of God that we get from Jesus or nor do they square nicely with Jesus teaching on love, on enemy love, on forgiveness, on grace, on mercy. And we're more and more uncomfortable with it. We're more and more uncomfortable with that inconsistency. And so we just stay away from it. Right. And, and so maybe there, like I said, maybe there's good reasons we do it, but maybe we're just not being honest about it.
0: Right. You know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because last night in our youth group class, one of the things that we talked about was the idea of holding each other accountable Yeah, and no one, I mean, I guess there's probably a few people, but most of the people that I know aren't like raring to go to a conversation to tell somebody that like, they're not good at something or that what they're doing is detrimental or something like that. Right. Like interventions, like people like, they're like, they need to happen. But like a lot of people wait, way too long to have an intervention because they're afraid to have a conversation. Right. And so when it comes to this idea of having conversations about hell and then like the difference, I mean, people in general, like people don't even like to hear different perspectives, even if they know they're going to disagree with it because they already know what they know. Yeah. Um, and that's unfortunate. Like, I think that that's one of the biggest stumbling blocks that the church has is people already know what they know. And, they're cool with that. And that's unfortunate. I, I love the idea of being able to take a look at hell and maybe the idea of Jesus introducing different avenues that we haven't really thought of before. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm, I'll be, you know, I, I think that it has probably become very apparent over the course of our many episodes that like, I can be at times pretty traditional. Um, that's okay. And, and like, that's okay. I, and, I love you that way. Right. Sure. Um, I don't necessarily think that um, I'm one of those people that, I mean, at times I know what I know. I'm not going to pretend like I'm not hard-headed and stubborn. But I enjoy the process of learning more about these things. I mean, Brad, you saw the notes that I have on hell on my phone. Yes. Um, I enjoy having these conversations that require me to look at it in a different point of view because I know that I need that because sometimes I need to learn that I don't know what I don't know.
1: No, that's, that's great. And, you know, I, I'm also trying my best to come with an open mind. I think the the only difference is, is that, you know, I have been in, in just in terms of my beliefs have been exactly where you are in, in much more traditional than you are. Like I've, I've passed And I'm not saying I'm at a, 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 place that's better than you. I'm just saying, I'm, I know I'm at a place that's different, but because I know where your head's at, I think it does allow me to, um, to understand sort of the, the counter arguments. Mm-hmm. It allows me to, under, because I can make them myself. Sure. Like I know that, and and I know that, um, I know I've, I've, had these discussions with, with ministers and with friends and with all, you know, all kinds of folks, people inside and outside of the church really And what I find about these conversations is, particularly when I have them with somebody, you know, whose sort of livelihood depends on on preaching and ministry, is I will often get a response, something like, well, if hell's not what we've always been taught it is, or if it doesn't work this way, like, why are we even here? And, and usually we're in a church building. That's why they're saying that. <laughs> or like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Like what, like, it's almost like even when they entertain it for a moment that this might not be exactly how things work out or, or or entertain the idea that God might not work exactly that way, they immediately are like, wait, the consequences of that are too much to even consider. Um, And I get that because it's not like, for me, this is more of a hobby, it's not just a hobby, it's what, you know, it's important to me, it's what I love, it's important in my life, but it's not my vocation, right? So there's, like, I fully acknowledge that, like, the consequences are are more severe. So, in other words, even if you end up agreeing with me, Roman, don't agree with me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, sure. I mean, you know, I... You know, I, I can be that person who, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love that question. I love the question of why are we here, but not just necessarily in this conversation about hell. It's
1: always a good question, I really. I like that question, though. It's a good question. Um,
0: and, and for me, I ask that question because um, I have to put myself in check sometimes. Not because put myself in check because I think I'm becoming too I don't, progressive in air quotes, right? Right, right. But, but because... I need, I I need that check because I can become a very emotional human being, right? Um, and I do firmly believe in there being a great balance between mm-hmm. the head and the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, without that, you you go hardcore one way or the other, and I don't think Jesus was that person. I think right. Jesus had a great balance, right, of both, and so. Um, you know, I, that's what I think. I'm, I'm excited about the next episode because yeah. we get to talk about Jesus.
1: Yeah, we do. It, we'll get into the New Testament. You know, we'll we'll pop back to Daniel, maybe a couple of these scriptures to see where. And like I said, there are some weird things where, you, you know, Enoch and Elijah and Elisha, mm-hmm. where they like walk with God and just sort of like, you know, take off into the wherever, somewhere right. else and don't die. They don't go to Sheol. Or, <laughs> right.
0: Hey, we can even get into the thief on the cross, like who... Oh, yeah, he wasn't yeah. baptized right <laughs> right
1: and and went to paradise which is interesting you right. know not I mean, not a word that was used to describe deter. you know so yeah 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 yeah. okay we got a lot of good stuff a to talk lot about. of great i'm
0: excited about it well hey okay thank you guys so much for being with us this week look forward to uh the next episode on uh some more health so you guys have a blessed day